Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Hoag's recap the Twins' three-game series against the Chicago White Sox. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis, and with me today, special guest Andrew Hoag's Hoganson as Dan Thompson is off celebrating his beloved's birthday. So happy birthday to Annie. The Twins win their first series of the season in big fashion, sweeping the AL Central favorite Chicago White Sox. Hoags, I'm not superstitious, right? I'm a little stitious, but I'm not superstitious. Maybe we're going to have to have you fill in when the Twins play a big series. I don't know. I, I got to be honest, right after freaking out and losing my mind and jumping around screaming after Buxton hit that home run, I felt a little guilty. Like I felt like, oh man, I, like, I'm like i so excited to talk about this right now. I can't wait. But I feel a little bad for Dan because this has got to be one of the most exciting series that we've had in a real long time here. Especially because you know that he would just go on and on about how he's been saying how important Buxton is to this team and yada 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 I guess this series proves it yada 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 yeah I mean I really don't think he's wrong <laughs> if you look at what happened just the energy that that guy brings I, I loved how right after he hit that home run and just those claps that he had was so cool you could just hear it throughout the whole telecast as he's pointing at the dugout that was awesome that guy's so fun to watch fun fun player we'll definitely talk about that in detail but with that hoax let's go ahead and jump into the series recap series recap game one hoax and this this is a game that no nobody who like is being introduced to baseball should watch this game right <laughs> this was an ugly game twins win it though of course every game we talk about in this episode is going to be a twins win how about that but the twins win this one two to one the way they get their two runs hoax this was embarrassing this was just <laughs> straight embarrassing the white Sox have been terrible this season in the field but this was this was an all-timer hoax can you talk us through that that uh particular play all right so it's the bottom of the eighth that, that we have guys on first and third one out Correa's up to bat and he hits a relatively hard ground ball to the shortstop they gave him a hit when this was all said and done they gave him a hit there's no way that that should have been a hit like this is for sure an error but they throw it over to first completely misses the ball Correa also misses first base which is crazy (laughs) when you look back on it because the first base was kind of Abreu is going into him a little bit misses the base runs past it Abreu goes and runs the ball one run's already scored the runner from third Abreu gets the ball and tries to throw home home for no sort reason yeah. the runners in the dugout and the ball bounces again and then we come home with the what ended up being the game winning run while Correa moseys on back to touch first base it, I mean it was insane it, it was it was kind of a little bit I'm sure White Sox would agree it's the epitome of their season so far with just throwing yes. the ball around but it, it was so funny there were so many people that I was talking to that night and then the day after who hadn't seen the play like oh did you see the twins one I'm like yeah they did you should watch how <laughs> because they it's like it's a W. Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. It's a it. W I'll on the score it. sheet. To that end, Correa on second base is super pumped about this, right? He's like clapping his hands and stuff. You would think he just hit a double. And it's like, that is not <laughs> what has happened at all. But was, he was real excited about it. I was literally just going to say that his reaction on second base is awesome. It's like he banked it off the wall or something <laughs> like that. 
that's I loved how they kept phrasing it today in the game where they're like, yeah, Correa with a really sharp ground. I mean, well, you should have grounded out to shortstop. I mean, that's what should have happened. Well, a guy below the Mendoza line, Hoax, who you're paying $35 million for this 35. season. 35.1. 35.1. You know, thank you. 35.1. <laughs> you really got to talk up at any opportunity you get, I that's, think. That's very true. That's very true. And hopefully this, I don't know, it's weird that he didn't play today, but maybe that kind of gets him jump started. We have an off day tomorrow and we'll, we'll see. I'm not worried about him yet, but it's concerning. <laughs> so I got a text after this game. So there's there's not too many other notes on this, but it should be noted. Over pitched, he did well. Five innings pitched, five hits, one run, one home run. Jacks, two innings. Duffy pitches a clean inning uh, for once. And then Pagan gets the <laughs> save uh, in the ninth. But I get a text from my brother because, again, folks, those of you who have been listening this season know that Dan Thompson has said that Miguel Sano is going to lead the team in home runs with 41. After this game, <laughs> Sano's current batting average, I'm going to have to be really clear with how I say this, was .077 was Miguel Sano's current batting average after this game. My brother Dan. It got uh, worse from there too, people. It, it did not go up. I mean, I, it may be after he got a signal today, but it went down from there. <laughs> so my brother, who again, not really a ball guy, but he follows, he listens to the podcast, a loyal listener. We really appreciate it. But he texts and he explains to me that Sano's not only on pace not to hit 41 home runs, he's not on pace to get 41 hits on the season. Yeah, it's It's been a real slow start. I'm sure he's going to come up for both of us, possibly, with looking at <laughs> our list here later on in the episode. But with, I, uh, with that, Hogs, let's go to game two. Game two was definitely a prettier baseball game than game one, especially <laughs> if you're a Twins fan. We got one run in the first, two runs in the second, four runs in the fourth, one run in the fifth, one run in the seventh, and one nine to two. Bundy looked absolutely incredible again, which... I, I should be happy about that, but it's burning me a little bit that I picked him for LVP. And I think I said he'd go four and 10 with a seven ERA and he's already got three wins. So that, that, well, I, that prediction is graciously being wrong and I'm quite happy about it. This was Byron Buxton's return to center field after the last injury scare. He had DH'd in a previous game, but now he was out in center field. Hoax, he didn't, he didn't waste any time getting back up to speed. It was unbelievable. I think, what did he finish with? He had a single, a double, a homer, missed the cycle. Two singles, yep. He missed the cycle by a triple and to be fair, they hit him once. So, so it took true. away one of his opportunities. That's true. I, do you think they hit him on purpose there? First of all, it's kind of dangerous, right? Like that's like if the wild when when Kaprizov gets folks going after him oh, yeah same sort of idea like you don't throw at Buxton no right like people no. people are not going to be a big fan of that however Buxton did uh he did pimp the home run a little bit that he hits <laughs> so it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if there was a little bit on purpose I tend to lean that they didn't do it on purpose just kind of where the game was at at that point it wasn't completely completely out of hand at that point in time and the twins didn't throw back at the White Sox like I feel like if the twins thought that there was even a hint that they threw at Buxton, they they would have they would have come back right at him in the next inning. So I maybe, I, but Rocco Rocco seems like the peacemaker. Rocco's got a coexist bumper sticker. I'm pretty sure, Hoax. I don't know that he'd be true. he'd be encouraging his pitchers to throw at anybody. <laughs> I mean, I think if Duffy would have been in there after that, he might have thrown at the White Sox again and bring back some memories of the Mercedes from last year. But Well, Duffy might have hit a guy on accident. That is true. <laughs> like, is like true. They might have thought it was intentional, but with Duffy, <laughs> you're never really sure. Yeah, this was definitely a great comeback game for Buxton. Like, It was just good to see him back out in center field. I think we were all were a little bit nervous when he didn't play in game one and Rocco said, well, it's just a scheduled off day for him anyways. It's like, yeah, okay, we've heard that before with him, but 
here he is playing in center, goes four for four with a hit by pitch. That was incredible to watch. One other note here on game two before we move to game three. It's great having Buxton on the team and it's fantastic what he's doing, but I do think we need to note other guys had good games in game two. It wasn't only Buxton. Arise went four for five with three RBIs and Jeffers, Jeffers of all people, went two for three with a walk and an RBI. Jeffers seemed to look a little bit different in the box than he's looked so far this season. I feel like it was one of the first games this year where the Twins were getting mistakes and hammering those pitches. When he got a ball up in the zone, he took it out. I mean, that's that's what you want to see from those guys. There's to- so many instances earlier this year where we'd have a hanging slider, a pitch that, that we knew was a fastball, read it perfectly and just missed it. That didn't happen in this game. Yeah, well, with that, let's move to game three. The most exciting, folks, if you were going to watch just one of the games from this series, game two is fun because we score a lot of runs, but my goodness, game three, Hogs, it's harder to draw it up more exciting than we did. There, There's so many plays that you can pick from this game that are absolutely incredible, and I feel like lost in all the late game theatrics was Urshela's play at third. I mean, that was one of the most incredible plays you will ever see a third baseman make. I I make fun of Brimmer all the time for just everything is the greatest thing that's ever happened. (laughs) But he said that is the best play you're going to see a third baseman make this year. And I think it was. So to set it up, there was a grounder that Urshela got deep in the hole. He rolled over. And as he's rolling, somehow managed to throw it 120 feet to first and get the guy by a half a step. It was unbelievable. Twins win this one six to four in late inning heroic fashion from who? Who else? Byron Buxton Hoags. My goodness. He gets up to the plate. Now, I don't understand this. So earlier, the White Sox had an opportunity to pitch to Buxton and they chose to walk him, which seems like the logical move, right? I so would. now you're... <laughs> it was you're funny. The... We were actually texting during this and I texted you and I just said, cowards. <laughs> and you, you wrote me right back. And you're like, would you pitch to him there? Like, no, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, but of course not. Continue yeah, on. <laughs> this, is, this is what I don't understand. Bottom of the 10th, you got runners on second and third. Originally, there was runners on first and second. And then a wild pitch advances the runners to second and third. So now you have a 1-0 count to Buxton and first base is open. Just let him go to first. Yeah, <laughs> so right when that happened, I thought, okay, at absolute worst, they're just going to see if if he's going to chase it here because yes. he's shown better plate discipline, but you never know. And you got Liam Hendricks, so you've got a guy on the mound that you trust and they, they throw the pitch that he falls off. And I'm wondering, what? What are they doing? Are, are they? And then the, the next, I believe the next two pitches were high, not even close to the strike zone. Yeah. So now it's a three-one count. There's no way he should get anything to hit there. No way. I under, no. I understand it a little bit if it, like you said, if there were still guys on first and second. Yeah. And, and you do have Arias coming after him, but he's our best hitter. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He might be the best hitter in Major League Baseball right now, including Otani and Trout. I mean, when he is on and healthy, that guy is unbelievable. 3-1 count, up by one. That run doesn't matter at all. You can't pitch to him, but I love that they did. (laughs) They did. And And what happened next, David? (laughs) Buxton gets a hold of it. It's it's a no-doubter. Buxton, I don't know. I want to stopwatch it. How how quickly he turned to the dugout in celebration. He he knew right away. (laughs) triple deck and Morneau made the point that he didn't know if he'd ever seen one that went like four sections into center field like it did there anyway so Porto if I was a White Sox fan this podcast would be going way different their their year this year has has been awful we are in first place can we just talk about that real quick twins are eight and eight 500 baseball which I've said from the beginning of the season I don't know how many more times I have to say it if the twins get through April with a 500 or better record this is going to be a fun team to watch all season long and they're on pace to do it if I told you at the beginning of this series that we would be in first place, oh man! Well, let's uh, let's get into our segments here, Hoag. Start off with Puckett's picks winner, which is just not a uh, not a fun segment for me. Catch them all, Kurt! 
Puckett's Picks winner. I'm loving it so far this year. I think it's been great. Listeners are dominating. Who who won, David? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Puckett's Picks winners here. No question. The listeners took Buxton, and of course, they come away with the victory. Buxton scored 22 points in Puckett's Picks, which is the new season record, of course, uh, beating Buxton's previous record from the Seattle series with 19 points. Who which picked is him in the Seattle series? The listeners. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Thank you, Hoax. Very, very helpful and humble on the on behalf of the listeners here. But what's interesting is Buxton had the previous record with 19 points in Puckett's picks in a series, and that was a four-game series. This was a three-game series, and he beat it. And he only played in two games in this series, too. He played in two <laughs> games. Uh, it's the, it's insane. That guy, when he is healthy, I've said it so many times in this podcast, but just stay healthy, man. It's so fun to watch. You know, like when he celebrated after the walk-off, I'm like, nobody touch him. No, no, no. Don't even put water on him. <laughs> don't even put water too. on him. I, when, <laughs> I, this is for all you old people out there, but it brought back memories of Denny Hawking when he got hurt when yeah. we finally beat the A's. And yes. right when Buxton ran home, they, I felt like they all kind of did lay off a little <laughs> like, bit. Like, yeah, let's just make sure. Hands up, hands up. Anyway, I don't even want to talk about this. I'll talk about uh, Dan. Dan took Polanco, who ended the series with negative two. And me and my infinite wisdom, it has been a great series uh, for David. <laughs> Let me tell you here, folks. Third person I busted out for you there. I took Nick Gordon, who scored negative five points on the series. <laughs> which brings my season win total to zero and my season points scored to negative eight, which is pretty impressive after five series. Hopes. I feel like if you get to negative numbers, you're obligated to get like a, a negative win. Like, I mean, no, you don't have any to take away from, but you just have hey, to go into hey. the hole. <laughs> anyway, season standings at this point here are the listeners have three victories. Dan has two victories. And yep, if you've uh, been following at home and you do your math, you can check it. There's only been five series. So that means I still have zero victories on the season but i have i've got faith my my luck is gonna turn here hoags it's a long season but however if the listeners keep getting to pick number one and we all know who is a good pick at number one keeps doing what he's doing it might be a long year for you too all right let's move on beast versus bench beast versus bench is losing fun is losing fun it's a little bit redundant at this point, I think. I, unless you chose somebody different, I took Buxton as my beast. Hogs, you got any thoughts on any other players who deserve the moniker? No, it's it's absolutely 100% Buxton. However, in the middle of game three, when Buxton started off with three strikeouts and Arias still had a hit and he went four for five in the game before and he went one for three in game one, I was tempted to pick Arias and then Buxton hit that game tying home run. I was like, yep, well, done. That, that's <laughs> That's my pick. So yeah, it's it's absolutely Bry- Byron Buxton. However, bench hoax. It's fun to talk about bench in a series sweep because because you can choose someone and you don't even really care. I, I feel like the player who's getting picked is probably a little happy about that too because if you yeah. start really digging into the stats of the person that I'm going to pick, it is not good. And if Kirilov comes back, that starting position might be in jeopardy a little bit. But I went with Miguel Sano. He had a couple hard hit balls in Game Three here today, but it it just something's not clicking. And I I keep thinking about what you said in the last podcast like he's a hot and cold hitter but how long can you be in a slump before you're just bad and I'm starting to get a little worried about him what do you think though if Kirilov doesn't come back is that the only saving grace for Sano because who else do you put at first base if Kirilov doesn't come back it's such a tough question because that guy has immense talent and honestly he's pretty good in the field too like he made a couple fantastic defensive plays in this series too he did have the one air but that was a tough play in game three but I 
don't know. You you want to give the guy every opportunity that he can in order to get out of this. And frankly, he deserves that. But I, I, I don't know what the option is after that if it's not Kirloff. And I am worried about Kirloff's wrist. I mean, they just gave him a cortisone shot, which is what they gave him the last time. So whatever it is, this might be, I mean, I don't want to say it, but it might be career ending. Like this is career altering what's happening to him if that never heals up. It is a tough question, but yeah, I'm going to go with Sano on my bench as well. I, I toyed with Gordon because he had a just terrible series as well. However, Sano's play at first throw into Archer on this little, as opposed to like lightly tossing it to Archer, Sano rockets one past Archer's head. So that put him over the edge for me. I think I got I to gotta stick with Sano. I shouldn't have found that play as funny as I did, but he, I mean, he made a good play on getting the ball and then he loses it as he's transferring it to his hand and then like shot puts it at Archer's <laughs> face. And Morneau said something about like, well, you can't really blame Archer there. It probably looked like a 97 mile an hour fastball coming right at his head. Uh, anyway, let's uh, keep pushing here. Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. I'll start off here, Hoax, because I see that you have, uh, you don't have anything listed, but you said you have a surprise for me. So I'm excited to talk about that. But I'm just going to mention that I really like that Rocco pulled Archer early in game three. And it has to be so nice for Rocco to know that he has Winder in the pen to be a long relief guy. And so it's interesting when you're looking at the pitching lines, because you see that Archer pitched three innings, well, Winder pitched four. So it's just cool that you know that Rocco's bringing in Winder, who has proved to be competent and effective. He he might give up a run or two. If you're going to get four four or five innings out of a relief guy who's supposed to be a long relief guy. I think that's exactly what you want. Anyone who watched that game could tell that Archer was off today. So it was very nice to see Rocco just be able to have that that quick hook. Like, hey, my guy doesn't have it today. Like he's he's yes. not able to find the strike zone. He looked a little, I don't want to say shaken at all, but I think Archer could tell that he didn't have his stuff either. And it was definitely a struggle. So I liked that call a lot. So uh, what do you got for me, Hoax? I'm all excited. I'm all so amped up, ready to go. I decided to give Rocco a break on this one. I had a couple questions about why like Sanchez, Correa, Jeffers are not on the IL, but still but, clearly not available in this game based on what was going on. But frankly, it all pales in comparison to Mr. Tony LaRusa. What are... <laughs> you doing I know there is zero situations where you pitch to Buxton at the end of that game but God bless you for deciding to pitch to him that was absolutely awesome I hate Larusa so much couldn't have loved him more in this game thank you thank you wow so that is a switcheroo for Rocco's rewind let me tell you just leaving Rocco alone maybe maybe some question marks but going right after the White Sox manager well done Hoax bringing a fresh perspective to Rocco's rewind there is a point though where you think like he should maybe be in a baseball manager home like for old baseball managers. I don't know that he should still be actively managing a team. Then again, Joe Madden just walked a guy with bases loaded on purpose. So what are you going to (laughs) do? All right. Well, let's keep pushing uh, Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. 100% is the walk-off. Like It, it has, it to, has be. to be. It has but to be. I'm not going to choose the walk-off because the one that I want to talk about is Buxton's first homer in game three. So he's had three strikeouts. He looked really bad against Giolito. Like Giolito's changeup was working great. Buxton wasn't seeing it right. He gets into the bullpen for that fourth at bat and it was still must-watch TV. I was about to go help my wife with the kids and then Buxton came up and I froze just because I, I got to watch this at bat. And he wasn't looking good. And he hit that home run and it was just it it showed what a player he can be and what a team that this can be when he is on like that that just changed the whole game I looked it changed our win probability by 32 percent with that one swing of the bat on a guy who'd struck out three times and was having a very poor game and turned it on its heel right there yeah I mean I'll take the cheap uh Buxton's walk off for the Minnesota moment I think I did toy with the White Sox throwing errors in game one but that like felt less like Minnesota twin centric I don't know I don't know how to explain it but 
it has to be Buxton's walk-off. No, no question. Yeah. I mean, that was amazing. Let's keep going. Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. I'll let you start us off here, Hoax. We've talked a lot this year about how our lineup has really been letting us down for the most part in games that we've lost, but our starting pitching has been absolutely fantastic, and we know that both of them are probably going to come closer to the mean. The hitting's yes. going to get better, and the pitching's probably going to get a little bit worse. But with how good our starting pitching has been, who do you think has the best chance to sustain their start? I mean, really, any of the five, six guys that we have has looked very good at the beginning of the year. And honestly, David, if I told you... if I I told you how many times are you gonna do that to me how many times at the beginning of the year and our pitching era is around two but sunny gray is a hurt and b has an era of 5.68 that's that's crazy you would have taken that any day of the week yeah it's pretty impressive i think joe ryan is the obvious candidate for who's gonna sort of be the guy on this staff however i do wonder as the season progresses whether we'll see ryan regress or bundy regress more because it's interesting because joe ryan is from sort of of the rookie side of things, right? So he's technically a rookie pitcher, even though he pitched a little bit last season. But Bundy, he's on the opposite end of his career. So he's closer to the end than the beginning. So it's one of those things where who are you expecting to regress? Who's gone through those changes more often? Well, Bundy has gone through those changes more often. So I kind of think that Bundy is more likely to come back. But I think you could still make a pretty strong argument that Ryan is probably going to regress more than Bundy. So I, I hope neither of them regress, obviously. But but clearly, this is just, it's unsustainable. There's no way that they keep this up like this for the whole season. And even Bailey Ober has looked very good in his first couple starts. I mean, it, it, and Paddock hasn't been horrible. I mean, his ERA is five, but he's he's looked fairly solid and he's just had a few innings here and there that have tripped him up. But yeah, I think I would agree with you, though. I think Ryan has the most upside and I, I don't know how to really put this into words, but it, it feels like his starts have looked like the kind of pitcher that he is, where he throws a yes. lot of strikes. He doesn't have incredible heat on his fastball at all. He just has control of the zone and he's been doing that very well. That seems to me like a very sustainable strategy. I mean, if guys yes. aren't able to hit a 92 mile an hour fastball in it through his first three starts, it's not like that's going to start happening anytime soon. And control is something that generally you don't lose. So yeah, I think Ryan is the safe pick, but it's a fun discussion to be having instead of like, who's going to finally get their ERA below six that we were having <laughs> last year. I mean, look where we are. Look at us. Look at us. Just look at us. Look at us now. So what's your Mowers musings, David? Big question, Hogs. Big question here. Has Max Kepler figured out how to beat the shift? Every at bat that I feel like I saw live that he hit it to the opposite field. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. One, did you see him laugh? When he yes. Hit, he he smirked. Laughing. He smirked after he hit it. <laughs> He's going to finally figure this out and then next year. <laughs> and next year there's no shift, but I, I feel like he has, but we're still not really seeing it in the box score so much with him. I mean, he's batting 220, which is probably right about where he was in the last 2 years, but I don't know. I feel like once he can start to balance it, I have I have more hope in him. That's what I'm saying. If he can get those hits, that batting average is going to start to to inch up as the, as the season progresses and teams aren't going to be able to shift him as drastically if he's managing to hit the the ball to the left of second base not to go on an old man curmudgeon rant here but this is why getting rid of the shift is the stupidest thing in the history of the world because kepler has been forced to try to change how he bats to adjust for what the defense is doing to him that's what we love about sports we love the yes. strategy we love the back and forth because teams now are going to have to start putting a guy back in the hole which is going to open up that right side of the infield to him again theoretically if he keeps this up uh, that's uh, that's one of the best things about sports and it's so frustrating that they're taking it away Way just on the pretense of more offense. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Guardy's gripe. 
Let's uh, let's keep going here, Hoax. It's going to be hard to grade this one. I don't know. Series grades time. Series grades. I really went back and forth for a long time. You know, it was just real <laughs> tough after a while. No, it's an A. It's an A. I, I, do we give A pluses? Because I think I'd give it an A plus. You the can give them. Re- you can give them an A plus because Dan's not here. But Perfect. don't try. Don't try and give him an A plus when Dan's <laughs> when Dan's here. He'll go right. off on you. All right. In honor of Dan, it's an A plus. <laughs> I'm going to give them an A just because they really didn't have a right to win that first game. Like, like they, the White Sox were the best players on the Twins for that, that they game. Were. <laughs> they were. But really yes, were. I am going to give them an A as well. How fun, Hoax. This oh, is the first man. A's we've seen. Yeah. The first and, A's we've seen. And they earned it. They earned it <laughs> other than game one. But that, it was, that was good baseball. T- today, game three is why baseball is the most beautiful game. Like everything about that game was just awesome. They had their plays in the field. I mean, ah, oh, man, I'm speechless. Hard to beat. It's hard to beat. And like people who say the baseball is boring, watch that game and you tell me it's boring. Like it's yeah. just not. You're oh, wrong. You are no, incorrect. Yeah, I agree. All right, Herbie's headlines. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. Well, we talked about this last episode, and this was prior to it actually happening. So so last time we talked about this, Cabrera was at 2,999 hits with the Tigers, and he finally got his 3,000th hit. However, however, something happened prior to that 3,000th hit. Hoax, can you can you talk us through what took place in the Yankee and Tiger game uh, with Cabrera at the plate? The lovely Aaron Boone decided to intentionally walk Cabrera to get the bases <laughs> loaded and bring up a better pitching matchup. Now, I'll be totally honest here. It was the absolute correct baseball strategy. However, I love that it was the Yankees who did this because I love hating on the Yankees. And how do you do that? How do you walk one of the premier guys in baseball when he's at 2,999 in game 15 of the season in a game that you're already losing? I, ugh, that team. (laughs) Yes, but he did finally just, get it. Yes, yes. So Cabrera did reach that 3,000 hit plateau. Uh, fantastic. Good to see. Obviously, his last season in the league. To further prove that the Yankee fans are terrible, not just the team, the Yankee fans were chucking bottles at players here. So I don't quite understand what goes through the mindset of somebody in the stands at a professional sporting event who decides to literally, literally perform a physical, violent act on a player on the field. It makes no sense. And a little bit of background on that play. What happened originally is the Guardians outfielder, I believe it was Mercado, ran into the wall. And like it's a chain link fence and he hurt his face. You could see the chain link on his face and Yankees fans started yelling at him. So the Guardians went up and had some words with the fans and it, it ended. However, later in the game, the Yankees get a walk-off hit out to yeah. right field and then they start throwing bottles. It, so the, this, the play before where Mercado hit the chain link fence was in left field. The game-winning hat hit happen into right field and they start chucking beer bottles at the Guardians right fielder. It, it is beyond belief. But the one thing that is a little funny to me about all of this is everyone's acting so surprised that Yankees fans are a bunch of jerks. Didn't we already all know that? I mean, they are horrible. They cheer for the Yankees for goodness sake like none of that was surprising to me at all but it's just you you really can't possibly hate that team more no no and it's hard right because again my big issue with the Yankees I mean outside of the fact that the twins can't find a way to beat them in the postseason it's a pretty big big issue (laughs) yes 
But the big thing that bothers me is that the Yankees have so many fans who aren't native to New York or don't have a reason to be a Yankee fan that's legitimate outside of, well, I just wanted to cheer for a team that wins a lot. I, I couldn't no. agree more with you. You got to no. earn it. You got to earn it. It bothers me. So I, I got a buddy uh, at work, Andy. He's a Cubs fan, but he's from Iowa, right? Well, in Iowa, you kind of get free range, right? But what I appreciate about- Iowa, about, you get to choose. <laughs> yes, you just get to choose. But what I appreciate about choosing the Cubs, well, one, why would, why would you choose the Cubs, first of all? But like, secondly, to go along with that, stayed regional, right? Like, it's kind of nice. But again, if you're from Montana and you want to cheer for the Yankees because that's the only team that you can get on the TV, and so that's who you're going to follow, I have less of a problem with that. But if you're from Atlanta and you're like, I'm going to be a Yankee fan because I want a team that, well, that's a terrible example because the Braves just won the World Series, but you understand, you yeah. understand what I'm saying. Certainly. No, I absolutely agree. For, for This is one of the most serious things to me. Your sports fandom is determined either by blood or geography. There's not. <laughs> Nothing else. Those are the only two things that are acceptable in order to choose what team you're rooting for. All right, well, let's keep going here, Hoax. Puckett's picks for the upcoming Tigers series. And we'll see you Puckett's picks. I hate to say it, but you, as the listener representative, Hoax, get the first pick for this Tigers series. Buxton. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Very surprising pick. I'm going to go ahead and go with Correa because, honestly, he has to get good at some point, right? Like, he's going to want to get a new contract, and if he doesn't start hitting the ball, Hoax, he's going to be a twin again next year. We might be paying a guy a lot of money to keep hitting 200. <laughs> in all honesty, him- though, I think that is a good pick. I'm not that worried about him yet. It, it is still early in the season, and you got to think he's going to put it together also it's been awful weather in minnesota yeah. and i know that he's not from here and that was one of the things that he was worried about because marwin gonzalez warned him the first month's awful well it has been awful let me it's tell been you bad. it has been bad yes so dan had texted me his picks and it's funny that i can't imagine he thought that he'd be picking third seeing as his guy scored negative two but nope no thank you dan thompson i got gordon so i got the first pick between us so dan thompson is taking polanco for the upcoming tiger series well now hoax we're going to transition into the new segment. So anytime that Hoax is on the podcast, he's going to bring up something we've said in a previous podcast and let us know how stupid we are for thinking that way. Uh, so here is the, the inaugural segment of Dan's Dumbs. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Dan's Dumbs. So I got to be honest, I kind of feel like flipping this one on you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. great. So if you all remember a couple podcasts ago, Dan, when naming premier Twins pitchers, <laughs> named Kyle Gibson. And right when I heard that, I was like, Kyle, really? Like, do, do, is that was that really what I want to do? And David instantly is texting me going, can you believe that he said this? Like, what, what is that? Like, he's naming him. Well, I looked up baseball reference. Kyle Gibson is top three in war and a load of other stats for pitchers in, let's just say, our lifetime, the last 35 years or so of Twins baseball. So I got to flip this. I got to give this to David Dumb for just not knowing your <laughs> Twins history and how premier. Kyle Gibson actually is. Okay, well, first of all, I assumed I was going to have immunity for this segment, so I'm a little bit upset that I'm the one getting torched right now because this was supposed to be Dan's Dumbs. So for that for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and play the David's Dumbs sounder real quick here. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. David's Dumbs. Okay, well, now that we got that out of the way, well, Hoax, thank you so much for filling in for Dan Thompson. We'll see if the... 
Twins can keep this momentum going against another AL Central opponent, would you mind sending us out, Hope? Yeah, I would love to send us out. First off, I'd like to thank Dan for giving me this series. I don't know if I could have picked a better series to talk about. This was so much fun. It's fun to see good baseball out there again. It's fun to see a healthy Buxton, and I'm excited for this upcoming series. Let's go get them. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win and find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. If you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that the episodes are now available on our YouTube channel, and if you could drop us a like and subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!